The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. right it's another high-powered edition of nick ferguson's secondary perspective if you are hearing that music that means ebony and ivory is on your airwaves but you have the ebony without the ivory because my dear old friend mario Vitanzi had something to take care of and i believe we'll talk about that next week mario is engaged and for me i i, I love the fact of anyone who has an opportunity to find a partner a life partner to go through life uh, with them. But before I get into that, I, I know we normally reserve the Real Talk segment for the last segment of the show before we sign off. But, but a couple of things have been, have been bothering me, and I just have to get into them early. Okay, what, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NBA, you know, whether it's, you know, regular Joe DeBarbera, I have to vent for just a second here. I'm sick and tired of domestic abuse of any sort. First, we had Ray Rice. Then we had uh, Greg Hardy of the Carolina Panthers and now former Ohio State basketball player and number one draft choice, Greg Oden, now finds himself in the mix and he told the cops, listen, things got a little out of hand when I was sitting here talking to my ex-girlfriend and he punched her in the face, right? Now, now I, I don't, and I said this last week, Mario and I talked about it. Uh, if you want to follow the program, uh, you can call, get into the conversation, 888-346-9144, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. I don't condone for any reason whatsoever to ever put your hand on anyone else, whether it's another man, uh, unless he's really threatening your life and you have to do what you need to do as a man, but don't put your hand on the female. I mean, you can offer any excuse you want. You can justify it any way you want, but there is no reason to do it. But I'm going to bring in my good friend, David Lee Jensen, number one best-selling author of The Naked Interview and Hiring Without Regret. You can follow him at David Lee Jensen on Twitter. Dave, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. And uh, I was wondering whether you're going to bring up um, G.O. 
the ex-Miami Heat player right away. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what, David? I, I have to start off by saying this. You know, once again, I don't condone this of any sort. And I always believe that whether it's a, a, a situation between coworkers, families, or, or friends, you can always kind of navigate through these things with perfect communication. Now, now you tell me, you know, when you hear these things uh, about players putting their hands on their wives or girlfriends or, as, uh, like I said, Joe the barber, I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, do you get up as upset as I do? Oh, absolutely, Nick. My blood starts to boil. I mean, you know, I was raised on the East Coast um, like you, and I was raised in a in a good family like you, you know, as far as uh, our mothers uh, directing us to be perfect gentlemen, and I would never lay a hand on a woman. She could be beating me with a bat, and I would, you know, I would uh, push away, run away, do anything, but never lay a hand on her. So how a, a dude as big as Greg Oden is could punch a woman in the face, it makes me, you know, oh, <laughs> bring it. You know what I, I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand it, you know, myself. And obviously this is not just an NBA, NFL, a professional athlete type of issue. This is an issue that, you know, whether like you, you Joe the Barber, this is something that you deal with on a regular basis. But once again, it goes back to the teachings of your families and how you grew up. And like I said, I was taught, Never to put my hand on a woman for no apparent reason. And, and I watched, you know, physical abuse as it took place with, you know, individuals in my family that, that are female. So I, I had to watch it firsthand. I said, well, I don't like this. I would never do it to anyone's daughter. And if you feel as though you're frustrated and someone has gotten just kind of fired you up that much, walk outside. Walk down the street. Look at the building. You know, point out some birds. And if you need to yell and scream or kick a can, do that. But last thing you want to do is put your hands on a female butt. Something on a lighter note, I definitely have to talk about this. I said earlier, you know, my normal co-host, Mario Vitanzi, is not here. He, he just recently got engaged. But, but here's a story, Dave. You, you will love this one. Now, this was uh, on, on Twitter, social media. I don't know if you heard about it. But it's called Love at First Flight. Apparently, there was a couple that were on a flight coming from Spain to Ireland. And they got a chance, you know, when you're on the plane, you sit next to a person, you strike up a conversation, and then somewhere along the way, in that long flight, you realize, wow, I really like this person. But apparently for Jamie Kelly and Katie Monroe, they did not exchange phone numbers, and he had to take to Twitter and social media to find her. And apparently these two lovers found each other, and they planned to meet next week. If that is not a Hollywood movie, I don't know what is. But, <laughs> but, 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 but you know, I don't. I'm not a crier. I'm not a crier at all. But, 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 I'm, I'm a sap. I'm a sap for love, and I, and I, and actually love this particular, uh, this particular story. So uh, good for those individuals. Uh, a, a day. Now, now, Nick, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you in any way, shape, or form, especially, <laughs> on, your, especially on your own show. But I absolutely must positively say two words and then hear you say I'm not a crier. Okay, what? those two words are the notebook. Okay, the notebook. Okay, you know what, Dave, since you brought it up, <laughs> <laughs> since you brought it up, uh, 
Yes, I've seen uh, The Notebook, and I know sometimes, you know, we have as men, we love these masculine movies, things are blowing up, you know, we need drama, we need intrigue, but sometimes I like to mellow it out a, a little bit, and I'll attribute that to uh, my lovely wife for introducing me to The Notebook, but to answer your question, I've seen The Notebook, no, I did not cry, but did my body experience something that was this tingling feeling? And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm not supposed to, to have these kind of feelings, but, you know, that is my body way of showing kind of a, a emotion. And, and anyone who knows me <laughs> and, know, and knows me well, especially, you know, former uh, uh, ladies that I've dated, that, that's been the biggest thing that, I wasn't very uh, emotional, but uh, no, Dave, to answer your question, I did not cry. Maybe you did. All right. We're all uh, good. We're all good. <laughs> okay, so, so this week, all right, uh, NFL season really kicks off. It kicked off last week with the Hall of Fame game between, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. But this week, you, well, actually tonight, there are six NFL games on uh, tonight. Uh, we have the Colts and the Jets, Patriots versus what I like to call that team formerly known as, but I'll call them the D.C. Decision Makers. I won't call them the other name, but you, you already know what they're called. Uh, the 49ers and the Ravens and the Bengals and the Chiefs. You're Dallas Cowboys and the Chargers. But the game that I'm really looking forward to watching, the Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm really looking forward uh, to that game to see how these two teams, now that they have new key additions to their teams, how they're going to come out in the first game. And we're going to jump into it later on with uh, two former NFL players and talk about their NFL experience and, and preseason from, you know, as a rookie to to a veteran. But, but, but Dave, as, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, and I know you are, talk about your expectations for this team uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, so much rides around our our big huge gamble, which is Tony Romo, um, and I, I really and the fact that our defense uh, was such a joke last year, and then we lost Demarcus Ware to the future Super Bowl champions, and um, <laughs> I, I like the sound of that. I love the sound of that. <laughs> um, and I and I really think that uh, Dallas is in for another, you know seven or eight win season, maybe a first round playoff exit. And it's just par for the course. And at some point there's going to have to be a team built that, uh, that has the correct priorities, which would be defense first. And then uh, a leader who's not going to choke in the big, in the big show. Wow. I mean, that's very interesting. Normally the Dallas Cowboys fans I talk to, they're very optimistic about the potential and every the fact year. that every, 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 year. every year, every year at this time, but, but even going outside of preseason, you know, it could be week eight. Dallas Cowboys fans still feel as though Jerry Jones is the guy for them. And Tony Romo is definitely the guy for them under, under center. But you said it yourself as a loyal Dallas Cowboys fan, you know, your optimism for this team, you know, it, I mean, it's not that great. You, you expect for an early exit if they get there at all, but Tony Romo will not play in the game tonight because of the back injury he sustained and he had surgery for. So I think that's a good thing for them to kind of keep him out if they're going to have an opportunity. But what I really wanted to talk to you about, I know you, you wrote this book, uh, The Naked Interview, Hiring 
without regret. I, I want to talk to you about the, the, the Spurs. The Spurs tend to be a trendsetter mm-hmm. all, all the time. Hammond. You know, be- be- Becky Hammond. I mean, this is something, you know, I didn't foresee happening, but at the same time, I am elated to see that they have uh, hired a first full-time, I have to say that first full-time NBA assistant, but this is not the first time, you know, any professional league has experimented with hiring a woman. I just kind of give you a little backstory of Shannon. Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, yes, very, very true. But the NFL has jumped into it just a little bit themselves, but maybe not so much as the NBA. But Shannon Easton, you remember, she was the first woman uh, to officiate, officiate an NFL game uh, during the lockout in 2012, and that would be not the players, but the, the referees. And then there was Sarah Thompson Thomas, who could, in fact, be the first full-time, you know, if one of those guys leave, maybe Ed Hockley, maybe his, his arms get too big and he has to leave. But uh, (laughs) if one of those guys were to leave or retire, she would probably get that first spot. But talking about Becky Hammond being the first, you know, a female assistant in the NBA. I mean, you wrote this book. I mean, you were a high school basketball coach and you coach women. Talk about what this means for women in general and and the sport as far as being hired. Well, uh, Thanks for asking about that, because I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, Becky Hammond is a controversial figure in uh, women's basketball uh, in the sense that she was an undrafted uh, pick who ended up going into the WNBA uh, through a tryout and making it uh, after being, you know, Colorado basketball's uh, top, uh, not only top NCAA player for women, but right. she actually was the top scorer for the WAC, even over the male top scorer in the in the WAC in history. So she's a total baller, five six, and you know all at eighty five pounds. Um, I'm kidding, <laughs> but uh, what she is is she's a smart business mind as well. Uh, she played for an Olympic gold medal team for USA. And then, uh, you know, almost 10 years later, didn't get selected for the USA team and had an opportunity to go play for Russia uh, for their national team in the sense that she was already playing ball over there on a, uh, on a Russian, you know, professional level. Right. So she made a good business decision, did that, and, uh, and she's a smart businesswoman. And I believe that that character and that tenacity to make it to the WNBA when she wasn't drafted and then to uh, pursue her dreams of Olympic basketball, whether they be for anywhere in the world, shows her passion for the game and her intelligence in business. And I think that when she worked out with the Spurs last year, she showed Pop, hey, I've got uh, good communication skills, good basketball IQ, and uh, I can help this squad uh, improve. And that's all Pop cares about. We know that. He's a team player. Right, but when you talk about the hiring practices, when someone comes into your office, and I know that's what your book uh, is about, the naked interview, the hiring without regret. Uh, talk about, you know, maybe from a human resources standpoint, when you're looking to make a hire of this caliber, which was pretty much changes the landscape for a lot of professional teams, you know, if you were, you know, top management, what would you be looking for, whether it's a man or a woman, potentially to hire into your company? 
You know, I think that that just plays into the, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, just the stereotypes of, uh, of sports and of, um, you know, any workplace, right? Is, uh, is it really just a man's job? Um, if a woman is better for the job, then what's the problem? There really right. is no issue whatsoever. And I think Becky Hammond came in, and she's one of the best candidates out there as an assistant coach with the role that she'll play as an assistant coach. And, you know, you could easily line up who the other players are uh, or ex-players are who are available as coaches and easily put her in the mix of who could uh, take this team to the next level with their experience. If you're just joining us, before we go to break, we're joined by number one best-selling author David Jensen. You can find him on Twitter at David Lee Jensen. He's the author of the book, The Naked Interview, Hiring Without regret if you're looking to hire someone or you're looking to be hired i encourage you not don't walk run out and get this book this book is on amazon it's a bestseller for a particular reason after the break we're going to continue the discussion with david about becky hammond and this what i would call this great hiring by the san antonio spurs once again leading the league in professional sports and what you should do and how to do it the right way. And also, we'll be joined by two former NFL players talking about their hopes, goals, fears of the first preseason game as a rookie as compared to maybe six, seven years in the league. Get some deep insight from them. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Don't go anywhere. Put that donut down. Come back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening. 
listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Before we went to the break, of course, we were talking about Becky Hammond being hired by the San Antonio Spurs, who continue to lead all professional sports and show everyone exactly how to get it done. Joining us right now is a veteran, a guy who knows how to get it done. As though uh, Cousin Randall would say, let's get it done. Julian Peters joined the program. Julius Peterson, excuse me, joins the program. Julian, thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Uh, No problem, Nick. How's it going? It's going going well. Listen, okay, first thing I want to ask you about before we start talking about preseason. I mean, you were you were traded. There was a trade that took place, and yeah. you were sent to the Detroit Lions for Corey Redding in two thousand nine. Now, right. if if you had to say which team got a better deal, Seattle or the uh, Detroit Lions? Uh, well, <laughs> I would I would want to say Detroit, but they didn't use me in the right situation, so I guess uh, Seattle won that battle. You know what, that, that, that's, that brings up a very interesting point. You know, there, there's been so much talk, you know, a lot about Johnny Manziel. And, you know, I know you heard it, you know, the NFL being a quarterback-driven league. You know, and I, I put something on Twitter earlier this week, and Troy Aikman responded when I was saying, listen, if you were to put Troy Aikman in the Cleveland Browns uniform, would he have succeeded? He said they would have won some games, but he never said how many games they would have won. But you're saying Detroit Lions – had you in the fold, I mean, a guy went to the Pro Bowl and they did not use you properly. How, how much does that really play? And, you know, especially with the preseason happening right now, guys being utilized the, effect, the right way to be effective on the field. Uh, well, that, that plays a big part of, I think, the whole pers- perspective of your game. Um, if you're not using the proper scheme or your proper skill set, you'll never get a chance to blossom and show what you really can do, improve, and help the team out. Um, so for my years beforehand, uh, I was used properly. I think, uh, you get a little bit older, uh, you get kind of a vet in the game and you establish yourself a little bit. Now they try to find ways to bring you down. And I think I was on that, just on that threshold of, I was making a pretty good amount of money and, uh, they was like, well, you're making this amount of money. We got to find a way to try to get them off the field so we can try to get a cheaper guy in there. And that's how I, I think that kind of went down for me, but. You know, and all in all, I had a great career. I enjoyed myself in the NFL and, and enjoyed my time. Well, you know, what? That, that's, that's interesting, Julian, to hear you say that because, you know, I've spoken to several players and, you know, they some guys talk about the fact of, hey, when I have a bonus and the team knows and the player knows, somehow they're taken out. And, you know, there's this guy, Sean Alexander, played running back in, in Seattle, which you know of. You know, there was a time where he had a bonus – where if he had a certain amount of yards or touchdowns, then I think he probably was going to get maybe a one or two million dollar bonus. They took him out of the game. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. took him out of the game. So you're saying there's we always talk about the NFL being the business. You always hear that. So you're saying that they knew the caliber player that they draft they traded for, and then they knew what you could do. But they kind of instead of putting you in a position to succeed, they put you in a position to fail. Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. Uh, I mean, like you said, it's a business. In college, to me, that's when the game was pure. 
you put your your best players out there. Uh, if even if your starter's not doing well, you putting in the guy you think will be the best, the next best guy, just for the sake of the team. Uh, and the NFL gets a little bit different, but just because uh, there's money involved now. So I remember back in the day when I, I was at the, sort of like the peak of my time. Um, I had a contract set up where I had seven sacks after after seven sacks, a sack after that I get an extra hundred thousand to my roster, right? To uh to my bonus. So I got the seven sacks in week six. So they said, okay, let's find a way not to uh, make sure he get any more rushes. So they start making me <laughs> dropping the coverage a lot. <laughs> but I mean, it seems like if you're a quarterback, they'll let you break Dan Marino's record. I mean. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I guess it depends on what position you are, Nick. <laughs> wow, wow. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Julian Peterson. He played with the 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, and the Detroit uh, Lions. Uh, Julian, I have David Jensen, uh, Arthur, best-selling Arthur. Let me, let me give his credentials out there. Best-selling author of The Naked Interview and The Hiring Without Regret. He's a huge sports fan, and, and he, he's on the line uh, as well listening to you go over this. But I, I want to ask you a question. Now, uh, you know, it, it's preseason, and we have six preseason games slated tonight. The one that I'm looking forward to is the Broncos and the Seahawks, maybe in the first series because we know in the first preseason game, everything is pretty much vanilla. Let's talk about your rookie season. You know, what kind of, you know, fears or goals that you kind of set for yourself going into that first preseason game? Uh, well, for myself, it was a little bit different situation. Uh, for the simple fact, I was the first-round pick when I came out, and I was holding out to make sure my uh, contract was the way it's supposed to be and uh, it, all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted. And so I, I missed, like, the first preseason game, which was the Hall of Fame game. Um, right. So I missed, I, I missed that game just for the simple fact I was holding out. So the next particular game for me was like, okay, I got to show these guys what I'm holding out for. This is the reason why. So to me, that was more like a real game to me. And uh, I performed very well considering that, you know, it was my first preseason game. And then, uh, you know, going to the, the years later on, you want to improve on different things that you wasn't good at the following year. Uh, I think the next year for me, my second year, I actually uh, did very well the first three preseason games. The last preseason game, I get hurt on the last play. And, wow. uh, you know, that was a little bit different for me. Uh, I was hurt. Uh, I had a high ankle sprain. I was done. Uh, I missed like four weeks, but I came back after four weeks and still hobbling around for a while until we made the playoffs, which was about, you know, 13 weeks later. But uh, after that, they drafted another guy to kind of replace me <laughs> in the second <laughs> round. So, the next year, I figured, like, okay, they got a, another guy in here to replace me. I got to make sure I never get hurt and show them why this guy would never take my spot. And from that from that point on, from years to come, it was more like you're trying to get another guy in here to replace me. Let me show what I can, what I'm worth, and what's what's my proven point for the team. Well, you know what? That, that's interesting because these preseasons, I mean, you know, it, it's often said hope springs eternal, and every team, you know, at, at the beginning of the preseason think that they're going to be the team at the end hoisting up that Lombardi trophy. But then reality really strikes a lot of these teams during the season. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that you worry about as a coach and obviously as a fan. I know some of these individuals who play fantasy football, that's always a major concern for you. But you touched on the fact that you got injured. You know, in the yeah. game, and 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 they that changed the landscape of everything. And they brought in another guy, which they do to replace you 
every single year. But but talk about with, with the, the six games slated here tonight, the, the concern, you know, uh, for injury. You know, why is that for players? Is that a big concern? Do you think most players, when they go out for that preseason, whether they play 15 plays or they play a quarter, you think that is in the back of their mind every single time? Uh, well, I think it's in there uh, at least an ounce of the time. I don't think it's to the point where, oh, man, I don't want to uh, mess around and touch anybody to get hurt. I think people right. play hard so they won't get hurt. But when you do get hurt, it's like, oh, man, I got hurt in the preseason. At least I wanted to get hurt in the season where it meant something where, you know, I'm helping my team get another victory, getting closer to the playoff. Um, right. It hurts a lot when you get injured in the preseason. Um, you're expecting to have a great year, and, uh, you know, things doesn't unfold that way because of injuries. And most of the time, uh, the team whose roster looks the best, most of the time it happens when injuries happen. They typically don't make the playoffs because of the next uh, guys to replace them are pretty much not as good or, or nowhere near that level of the, the play that they play. And I think right. that's the biggest difference when it comes to different teams in the NFL. Well, but tell me, that preseason is always a time for guys to get away and coaches to do a lot of evaluating of their players. But it's always a time that for guys to, to draw closer to one another and build that you know continuity on both sides of the ball. Uh, as a former player myself, there are several training camp uh, stories that I could probably uh, go into. But give, give me over your years of playing with the different teams, give me a good training camp story. Uh, shaving a rookie's head, having your head shaved. Give, give me a good training camp story. Uh, well, you know what. That- Fortunately, I, I was with a, a, a great organization with San Francisco around my younger years, and they didn't believe in the cutting of the hairs or anything like that. So they just kind of left the rookies alone. Our biggest thing was we just had to walk all the way to, you know, from practice and back to the dorms where the veterans had golf carts. That's what I did like. But, I mean, to <laughs> me, that was great for them because, I mean, they put miles on their legs. They deserve a, a break. Uh, but, you know, for me, I'm looking like, can I get a ride? I'm talking about like it's a taxi or something. Wait a minute. So you tell me that that's the worst that you had to do was use your two feet, that's, as we like to yeah, call them in Miami, Tom and Jerry, and walk? That's it. That's it. I, just, I mean, I had to carry, like, uh, at the time, I'm, I was a rookie to uh, Ken North Jr. So I, I'd take his pads in with me. That was, like, my, my only thing, you know. I loved it. When I hear other people's stories, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I didn't go to that team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Julian, we were sitting here talking early before you joined us. We were talking about the San Antonio Spurs and the fact that they hired uh, Becky Hammond, uh, the first female assistant in the NBA. Now, I have to ask you this. I mean, you know, do you feel at some point we could possibly, maybe not a female head coach, but maybe a female Owner, not a majority owner, but a female owner, or maybe a female GM in the NFL. Is that possible? Ah, uh, I think it's possible. I don't see it happening right now. Uh, I mean, there has been women that paved the way before. Uh, I know. I think it's a lady on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers who is there, one of their trainers. Right. Uh, I, I want to say head, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I know she's definitely a trainer for them. And uh, the guys on the team said they love her. They said she's the best person out there. She always makes sure that everyone's doing well. So uh, more likely we'll probably see the change, but I don't know if it can be anytime soon. Well, before we let you get out of here, you know, I, I want to do something a little different here. It's kind of like okay. getting, to lo- getting to know Julian Peterson a little more in depth. Okay, now, I got a couple of questions. You feel free to answer these questions. Now, 
if well, you if you had a superhuman ability, what would it be and why? Oh, telekinesis. <laughs> Reason being, I, I, I need to know what's going on. I need to tell you what to do. You can't hide anything from me. I, I, I'm all knowing. I'm, I'm like. I'm like Jesus on on the ground. <laughs> see, see, I can tell from that statement you like to be in control. Uh, for the most part, who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> come on. Okay, now, it, it, what song would you listen to before a game? Oh, oh, that that kind of varied a little bit. Uh, well, I, I remember this one particular game. Um, I think our whole team benefited from this particular song. And it was, uh, I played the old James Brown song, uh, uh, The Big Payback. Oh, yes. And, uh, and the whole thing got up and started dancing around. Everybody started doing old school James Brown moves. And it just made the room, uh, the team relaxed, got out to the play. And uh, we executed pretty well that particular day. All right, here's uh, one. I, I believe that David will, will, will love this one. Okay, so if you had to choose, I'm going to give you two movies. If you had to choose between these two movies on date night, which one would it be? Your first movie is Love Actually, and your second movie is The Notebook. Which movie would you choose? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, man. It depends on what type of mood I'm in. Uh, if I'm really on a romance part and want to get a crying on my shoulder, I'm going with The Notebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, if I just want to, you know, just have a little bit of quality time, I'll go with the love, actually. See, see there, see, there it is, Dave. See, even big, strong football players have an emotional side. So the whole thought process of guys just being Neanderthals and just running into other bodies. Hey, we're going to dispel all rumors on this show. Julian, before we go, tell me, tonight, preseason game, Broncos, Seattle Seahawks, who are you looking for to win the game? Uh, to win the game, I'll probably see the Broncos. To win the first uh, series, probably the ones. I got Seattle winning the, the ones battle. All right, there it is. Former Seattle Seahawks 49 Detroit Lions said he has the Seahawks winning the number one battle tonight. We're not going to see a lot of Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson, but it should be a decent game between the ones. Thank you for joining the program and. Maybe get you back on during the football season to talk about Michigan State a little bit. Right. I mean, that sounds good. You know, we're moving up to talk. I'm an eight right now. So, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> all, all right, Julian. You know, say, give my best to the family. After the break, so we talked to uh, Ralph Brown, another former NFL player, about his experience in preseason, what the camaraderie means to him. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Dave, you were giving me, during the break, you were giving me a, a little, uh, you have been tough on me, let's be, let's be totally honest, and about the whole crying bit or whatever, but here's what I never asked you. Have you sat down with a movie that you enjoyed, whether you were by yourself or with your wife, and maybe shed a couple of tears? Have you ever done that? Wow, Nick, put me on the spot. I mean, come on, I mean, you know, real talk. I mean, have you ever cried or shed a tear when you're watching a movie? See, you know me too well. You know I cannot tell a lie. But don't, don't start one now. So let's change the subject. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not. So, so, you, so, so this means that when in a Disney movie, when you see Bambi's mom <laughs> run Disney off, and, you, and all, whoa, all you whoa, hear is whoa, a shotgun. Whoa, whoa, step back. <laughs> all right, Nick, I'm going to say it. National, international, Voice America Radio, Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective. I have cried in a movie. Okay, thank you, thank you. I applaud you, I applaud you. Now, tell the audience what movie made you shed a tear. Well, I got to say, it's when Bane said, tell me where the trigger is, then you have my permission. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it's not. No, it's not. Come on now. Be honest with me. Yeah. Really? I mean, I can't remember whether it was Jerry Maguire or it was, uh, you know, The Notebook or what it was. But, uh, you know, just like you were talking about that emotion that started to overwhelm you. Yeah. Uh, my body just, you know, to fight that emotion, it sheds tears. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what? There's nothing wrong with it. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, the scene with music and it's put together, it just might make you shed a couple of tears. I mean, it right. might, might make you shed a couple of tears, not so much me. <laughs> <laughs> not right. so much me. Now, 
want to move to the NBA uh, really quickly. Uh, as you know, there was a drama all summer long. Where was LeBron going to end up? Where he's going to stay in Miami? Where whether he was going to go to Chicago? And but he opted to go back to his hometown of Cleveland. But Cleveland is putting together a Justice League of their own. Mike Miller, uh, James Jones. Now the Kevin Love trade seemed or seemingly to have now finally been pushed through, sending Andrew Wiggins and forward Anthony Bennett, the number one pick, are headed for the land of 10,000 lakes, as it's called, but it's actually 12,000 lakes uh, to join Ricky Rubio in Minnesota. But that's all dependent on Kevin Love's uh, ability to sign a five-year, $120 million deal <clears throat> and, and opt out of his current uh, contract. Uh, with this move now having Kevin Love, with LeBron and, you know, possibly Ray Allen. Does this now make them a contender in the East? Does it really make them a true contender? I think it does make them a contender. I mean, anywhere you have LeBron James, who uh, is the best player in basketball right here, right now, you're going to have an opportunity to win. Obviously, he needs pieces around him to really, truly put a championship squad there, and I think that was proven by his move from Cleveland, where he had just as much ability as he had when he went to Miami, except that he had the pieces around him in Miami to create a bit more of the team basketball, which fell out of place a little bit this year, which is why they're not repeat NBA champions. But, uh, you know, in Cleveland, they've put some good pieces there. I don't think they'll win it all this year. And I don't think they have the depth to do so, even adding Kevin Love. But I do believe that there is the potential there. Right. Let's do this. Let's go real talk or a bunch of hot air. So the first thing is, staying with the NBA, uh, the Lakers have a new head coach. And does that change anything for them, having Byron Scott, a guy who played with Kobe Bryant and played in the Lakers organization, you got the young kid Randall out of Kentucky, you got Jeremy Lin, you got Carlos Boozer. Does that change anything for the L.A. Lakers, or should the Lakers fans say, you know what, we're just going to chalk this season up and we're going to wait till next year and maybe we can get uh, maybe uh, a Gasol brother. We let Powell go, maybe we get the other Gasol. I mean, we're talking real talk or a bunch of hot air bunch of hot air a bunch of hot air so there's no way that Kobe Bryant with those additions will be able to make any run in the west at all you feel you remember Michael Jordan come back to play for Washington yes <laughs> there you <is>. enough said <laughs> so, so, you know what I still despite the injuries and despite what everyone says about Kobe Bryant I, I think he's one heck of a basketball player and, you know, in the NFL, they always talk about a quarterback or the mark or the sign of a great player is the ability to make the other players around him that much better. You know, Kobe has had this stigma, uh, stigmatism, you know, placed on him over the years of not being, you know, a team player. But knowing as though he's older now, uh, hampered by some, some injuries, he's going to have to rely on the teammates around him. And I think Byron Scott is going to get him to buy into that because I don't think any of the other coaches – Mike Brown or D'Antoni could command that type of respect from Kobe. Brian, Byron Scott would definitely do, be able to do that. And I think we might see a different 
Kobe now than we've seen, you know, in the past, a guy who's willing to sacrifice, a guy who's willing to pass the ball. But I think, once again, still, if, if the game or the pieces that's been placed around him are not performing, then old Kobe will come out. He'll try to take the game over. But I think he's going to be more of a jump shooter than a guy who is attacking the basket. And you will know more. I mean, you coach the sport. So, I mean, how do you see this working out for Kobe far as, you know, a plan and scheme standpoint? Yeah, I think that uh, a superstar like that, part of their package is their ego. Right. And and I don't say that in a critical way. I say, you know, that's a really good thing. I mean, if you've got it, flaunt it. You go out there like an Adrian Peterson and you know I'm running a 1,000 yards and that's it. Get out of my way. Right. And and that ego is something that drives that, uh, that professionalism and that talent all the way. Kobe's not going to be able to get the ego out of the way, whether it is Magic Johnson, Byron Scott, doesn't matter who's pulling the strings on him. At some point, when it gets clutch, he's going to hit the rim on too many shots, and the Lakers go nowhere. It's as simple as that. They've got to rebuild. Uh, Kobe was an amazing player, still probably has a great shot. I mean, hey, Michael Jordan in his 50s just uh, hit, what, 17 shots in a row or 11 shots in a row at his camp to right. show off for his kids. He can still shoot, but driving the hole, using your teammates, doing what really needs to be done, like the San Antonio Spurs proved this year, is not in Kobe's uh, playbook in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. But I think you, you talked about, you know, ego. And, and if you are, uh, you know, elite player, you, you have to have that ego. You have to have that uh, killer instinct. But I, I still believe, you know, it is that ego that's going to help Kobe Bryant, which is t- totally opposite than what we've known of Kobe Bryant because he realizes he can't do the things that he used to do. So he's going to have to rely on other players. And I know Kobe wants to win another championship. You know, the Lakers have known, been known for winning championships. And I'm sure, and Byron Scott said it in his, you know, when he was announced as being, you know, the head coach of the team, that everyone's talking about the the L.A. Clippers. But don't forget, who has all those banners, you know, up in the Staples Center? The L.A. Lakers. So I think Kobe's going to look at that and then try to utilize the guys around him to be a great, a great player. Uh, we have uh, Darth Prater holding on the line from Georgia. Darth, you, you're in with Nick Ferguson and David Jensen. What do you have to say? Hey, Nick, first of all, thanks for taking my call. And how are you guys no problem. today? No problem. What do you got for us? Hey, man, uh, first of all, the Becky Hammond um, hired by the San Antonio Spurs, man, I, I think that was a great move. But I had a quick question about the, the LeBron and the Kevin Love ordeal. Okay. Now, uh, I know a lot of people had a big deal about Chris Bosh signing the deal for five years, $121 million. Uh, with that being said, do you think that Kevin Love is worth the same thing coming from, you know, Minnesota? I understand the numbers that he put up and everything, but at least – uh, with the Chris Bosh situation, he has been a number one before. And not only that, he also have uh, two championships and several uh, all-star uh, games that he's um, been a part of. Do you think the Kevin Love five-year 120 deal is uh, a bit too pricey for him? Or do you think that, you know, pretty pretty much where it should be as far as, far as a player as himself? Well, I'll say that sometimes teams have – uh, whether it's uh, baseball, football, or basketball, um, overspend for players based upon the potential. And when you look at Kevin Love and where he's coming from, I've said this before. I mean, Kevin Love is, is great offensively. 
he's not that great of a defensive player, and you need to use and play defense if you want to win the championship. Now, going back to the offensive side of things, he scored a lot of points. But think about who they had in the Timberwolves uniform. The offense had to go through someone. I mean, yeah, you have Ricky Rubio, but outside of that, you know, you just had a bunch of guys. So Kevin Love was going to get a lot of touches. The more touches you, you receive, the more opportunities you have to put the ball in the hoop. It's just like in the NFL. You know, if you're running back and you're getting 36 carries, you might run for 200 yards in a game, right? Right. So, so, so do Chris Bosh, in your expectation, do you think Chris Bosh, knowing that he's going back to be a number one option, will live up to the type of contract that he was given? See, you know and what? With, I, I, I don't know, but, but Chris Bosh has some big shoes to fill. It's different being in playing in Toronto for the Raptors opposed to playing for the Miami Heat. The expectations are high. I mean, you've gone to four straight, you know, NBA championship games. And, and Chris Bosh has pretty much disappeared. I mean, he turned into like a 6'11 shooting guard. I want to see Chris Bosh play down on the block more. Play with his back yeah. to, the, to, to, the, to the basket. He has isn't, to now be that guy. Bosh like the Tony Romo of the Miami Heat? You know what? Yeah, I, 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 I definitely would start liking him too. He, he had to settle for a third option, though. Going back to a third option where you got two guys who's pretty much going to dominate the ball. It's not like he's going to get the touches. And sometimes you can possibly disappear or whatever. But I'm, he made up for it in different other ways, like you said, defense. He brings defense to the table, rebounding. He spreads the floor with his three-point shooting as well. I'm just hoping that he can go back to the old CB4 and show people that, you know, he, he's worthy of the contract. And I just, I'm just looking at it from the situation where LeBron is basically recreating the, the Cleveland heat, as we should call it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris Bosh is going to have a better season than Kevin Love, I would predict. And the reason being that, he is going to have to step up to that degree, and he is going to have to exercise any demons and really take over that team, whereas Kevin Love's going to be in the shadow of LeBron James in any way, shape, or form that you put that together. And Kevin Love actually has to sign five years when LeBron only had to sign two years. So I think he deserves the extra money because he's taken the gamble that he might be all alone as being the number two guy, he, he's basically the Chris Bosh in three years if LeBron leaves Cleveland. Possibly exactly. true, but also take this in consideration. The, the, the fact is that you got LeBron James, you have Mike Miller, James Jones, who can spread the floor, but then you have a guy with excellent handles bringing the ball up the court, taking the pressure off LeBron and Kyrie Irving. So even if LeBron decides after his two years to leave and Love signs a five-year deal, you still have Kyrie Irving there, and that's still something you know, to build around, but w- would that be enough to possibly beat the Spurs, OKC, or a talented Memphis team, or Portland Trail Blazers? Blazers? I don't, I don't think not. Uh, but you know, yeah. I guess Cle- like you said, you know, LeBron is trying to form his own, you know, Miami Heat team, and you know, Cleveland and Miami Heat fans are saying, "Wait a minute, now you could have done that same thing here, exactly." You know, and, and stay and stay <laughs> with us. But, but I, I get the fact that he wants to bring a title to his hometown. I can't be mad at a guy for wanting for, for wanting to do that. But I, I think that the five-year, 120 deal for Kevin Love is a stretch. But but the Cleveland Cavaliers are going in, going all in, and they want to win a championship right 
now. So, you know, hey. And one more thing before I go. I mean, you know, everyone is have the focus on Cleveland and the moves that they're making. I'm a diehard Heat fan, and by, by no means are we done. But let's not forget about the moves that Chicago made up there as well. And looking at the way Derrick Rose is playing, hey, man, it can be a three-team pony uh, up there at the top of the East. Well, you know what, mentioning that, you know, and I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't get to it. Uh, real quickly, guys, you know, earlier this week, Paul George went down in a, a basketball game as they were uh, preparing to play, I guess, one of these fever uh, World Cup ba- of basketball. And for me, it was devastating. It was, and, and, and the talk was so much about the, the team and how it was going to affect the team. The first thing that came to mind for me was how is it going to affect Paul George, his family, and the Indiana Pacers? And here's a question real quickly, uh, 10 seconds. Uh, would you, if you were an NBA franchise, allow your players to play in these types of games? Yes. You yes. 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 They're going to play basketball anyway, so why not do it representing your country and letting it be meaningful? Then you out there playing pickup ball. Well, for right. me, I, my, my answer is no. Before and, work. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, no. My answer is no because we saw what happened. To Paul George, yes, injuries can happen, but you don't want to increase those injuries. Now there's a possibility the Pacers are going to be without one of their top players. So I know the fans of Cleveland are saying, guess what? The door is open. We got a chance. We have a chance. Now, uh, let's talk a little preseason football before we get out of here. Like I said, six games tonight, Coach Jets, Patriots, and the other team in D.C., 49ers and the Ravens, Bengals, Chiefs, Dallas, and the Chargers, in the game, I'm looking to see Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. The Broncos need to come out and show with their new additions that they are a tougher team. They need to run the ball and take some of the pressure off Peyton Manning. Darif, what are you looking to see tonight? Oh, man, I'm actually just happy that football season is back in, but I'm really looking forward to seeing, <clears throat> like you said, that uh, Denver is going to step up to the task and so show any kind of toughness uh, with their new addition. So I'm sure it's going to be an exciting five, ten minutes. Dave, what are you looking for in tonight's game? I'm looking forward to see how the uh, defensive line of the Dallas Cowboys has come together with, uh, I think they have three rookie starters on that front defensive line. Well, I'll tell you what, I wish you all the luck with that one because that one has been a thorn. And Jerry Jones and the Detroit Lions, not Detroit Lions, pardon me, the Dallas Cowboys uh, side having a defense that, you know, you, without DeMarcus Ware, no Kevin Lee, you know, uh, Sean Lee. I mean, yeah, Sean yeah. Lee, excuse me, thank you. Uh, no Sean Lee, so uh, that's a defense that finished up the season last year at the bottom, rounding out the bottom to see what they can do, and then you still – Worried and concerned about your quarterback, Tony Romo's ability to win a game in the playoffs, and his back will hinder him. Thanks. Nick, I want to thank. Go ahead. Julian Peterson back and see if he'll come play for us. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe they should. I mean, hey, he said it himself that, you know, the Detroit Lions did not use him well. But I want to thank Julian Peterson for joining the program. Thanks to my caller, Darren, for calling in. Always expecting callers and appreciate it. David Lee Jensen. You can find him at David Lee Jensen on Twitter. Go out and buy his book, The Naked Interview, The Hiring Without Regret. is on Amazon. It's the number one bestseller. Seller. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Another secondary perspective in the books. Appreciate it. Next week, we could have, you know, Herman Edwards on the show. Good. We could. We can make it happen. 
We could have Herman Evers on the show. So stay tuned for that one. Thank you guys. Have a lovely weekend. And remember, put down the donuts and step on the treadmill. It is time to get it done. All right, that's Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, and we're out. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 